In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the Gospel reading, which you've already heard. You may be seated. In the beginning of time, all good stories start that way, don't they? In the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth by simply opening his mouth and saying, let there be. And then there was. Can you imagine having the power to simply mold reality by speaking? There are a lot of people in the world today that think they have this power, that if they simply say loud enough, well, men can have babies too. If they say it loudly enough, and if enough of them say it, then they think, well, surely this is reality. Politicians, the media, and many other in positions of authority and in the public trust really do think that they can bend reality, or at least how we think about reality, simply by the power of their words. They can only dream of the power that God exercises through his word. This is how Naaman thought in our Old Testament reading. He thought that there were better ways of exercising power than to, to heal than Elisha's way of suggesting, of simply going and washing the Jordan River. He thought that Elisha would at least come out to him, make some grand religious gestures with his hands, and call upon God's name and heal the leper. And he says, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? He thought that the prestige and might of his own nation would imbue even its rivers with a special healing power that surely did not live in the Jordan River. But God did not put his word of power in those rivers. Instead, he had placed his water, his word, in the water of the Jordan River, much in the same way that God now puts his word in the waters of our font every time that we have a baptism. In our gospel reading, God demonstrates this power through his son. A leper sought healing from Jesus, saying, Lord, if you will, make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand toward him and said, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And according to Old Testament law, this would make Jesus unclean. To reach out and to touch a leper should have made Jesus unclean. But instead, Jesus is not infected with the uncleanness or even the leprosy. Instead, he takes this man's uncleanness into himself and destroys it. Now, using what we learned last week, thinking about the Bible theologically, we can see how this shows us that Jesus does not shy away from us in our sin, even when the effects of our sin put us outside of polite company. People loved by God. Satan wants, you to, wants to use your sins and the guilt and the shame that is caused by your sins and the sins that others commit against you to drive a wedge between you and God. He'll tell you that the vileness that is in you makes God disgusted with you. But here, with this leper, 
we see the Lord reaching out not only to touch, but also to heal. And then the second miracle crops up rather quickly after that. Then Jesus is approached by a centurion about the healing of his servant who is lying apparently on his deathbed. And this second miracle is rather interesting in the way that it goes about. The centurion does not even want Jesus to come to his house. He confesses his unworthiness and then tells Jesus that he knows that he can heal his servant simply by saying his word. So God again is given the opportunity to show how powerful his word is. And he does it. Dear Christian friends, this centurion, as Jesus says, is an excellent model of the Christian faith for us. Jesus found no such faith in all of Israel. By confessing his unworthiness before Jesus, the centurion demonstrates what the Christian life actually should look like. But notice, he is the first to admit that he is not without sin. He confesses, again, his unworthiness. It is as John writes in his first epistle, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But Jesus doesn't teach us to confess our sins, though, so that we, he would punish us. Jesus wants to bring our sins to the light in order that we might be forgiven. He wants us to bring our sins to the light of his grace. John goes on, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But this centurion also confesses that Jesus' word of power can do what it says. The centurion replies, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Just as surely as those under the centurion's command did what the centurion had ordered them to do, so also would Jesus' word, if he spoke it, so also would Jesus' word would heal this man, and it would be so. Behold, hasn't your Jesus commanded you to listen to his servant who tells you in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, that your sins are forgiven. Jesus says in John 20, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. The forgiveness that you hear me speak is not my forgiveness. It is a forgiveness that belongs to Jesus. It is the same Jesus who spoke those words in John 20, whose words brought forth creation that cleansed Naaman of his leprosy, that healed this centurion's servant. And this Jesus still exercises this power, this ministry of his holy word among us today, that you would know that your sins are forgiven. St. Paul calls this word of the gospel a word of power for the salvation of all who believe, both Jews and and Greeks, for all the Lord our God calls to himself. All of this power exercised through the very word 
of God. People loved by God. God's word is powerful. It does do what it says. It kills and makes alive again. It heals the sick. It raises the dead. And its power resides not in the servants of Jesus, but its power resides in the one who speaks it even today, in Jesus himself. And its power to heal the leper and the centurion's servant all comes down to the most important aspect of the word of God. That it is a word of power to forgive sins. When Jesus speaks his word of forgiveness to you, he is stopping the real cause of all of your illnesses, both physical and spiritual, that result from the death that is within us caused by our sin. When Jesus forgives you, when he speaks his word of forgiveness to you, he is planting the seeds of eternity in your body and soul that will sprout and grow and will raise you from the dead on the last day, where you will, at the very last, be healed of all the things that ail you, both in body and soul, now and forevermore. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.